0: there's an interesting comment in the states last week actually which can be reapplied here that two people with knowledge of a situation can have a different opinion on the same facts and that doesn't make either opinion invalid
1: welcome to the bailiwick express podcast my name is matthew leach I'll be joined each week by a guest for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the Bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we offer some insight on some of the most important issues we in the Bailiwick face. It was a busy week for our Director of Public Health, Dr Nicola Brink, and not for the reasons you'd expect. Her predecessor lodged a legal challenge against her after being made to self-isolate on his arrival into Guernsey from New Zealand. Dr Stephen Bridgman ultimately lost his case, despite claiming that the deprivation of his liberty was unlawful. Bailiwick Express editor Aaron Carpenter was there for the full court hearing and explains what happened what we learned from this very important legal challenge and what it means for the future of the island and the CCA. We are going to be talking today about Dr Stephen, is it Bridgman or Bridgman? Bridgman. Bridgman, who took uh, the Director of Public Health and CCA to court. Give us a quick outline of, I mean,
0: why? Dr Stephen Bridgman is the, by way of background, he is the former office holder of the, the position that is, is now held by Dr Brink. Um, she's obviously well-known, especially in the last 18 months, as the Director of Public Health for the island. Before that, Dr Stephen Bridgman filled an equivalent role, which is essentially the Medical Officer for Health in Guernsey between 2008 and 2017. Since he left the island, he's been living working in New Zealand, uh, visiting the island, on, on his estimates, two or three times a year to see family and friends over here recently he'd uh, he'd been wanting to come back over to the island and when he saw apparently when he saw a press release which was actually aimed at blue arrivals within the common travel area so for any uncertainty there that's the uk Ireland, isle of man jersey and guernsey um apparently he he read that and mistakenly believed that that also applied to him because he'd been fully vaccinated in new zealand during his travel um, or after his daughters travel over to the island, um, it became apparent that that wouldn't be the case. That he was outside of the CTA and was not eligible for the restrictionless movement that those who are fully vaccinated for more than four we- for more than two weeks, sorry, are allowed under the current system within the, essentially the British Isles and Ireland. So there was an application during his transit at Singapore Airport for a variation which. Essentially, was something that he decided to do to enable him to still come over and not have to isolate. That was turned down because his reasons for it weren't considered to be good enough, essentially. It is that provision of a variation is there in certain, mainly for compassionate reasons. Um, his reasons were simply that he had limited leave to travel as a critical worker in New Zealand and advanced the argument that he wasn't actually that high risk. Because he was fully vaccinated and the place he was coming from, New Zealand, was a category two, generally considered to be a low risk area. Um, he argued that the 10 hours he spent in London, at London Heathrow and London Gatwick, and in transit between the two, so getting a public coach, was not low risk because um, the coach itself mandated the wearing of masks and social distancing. And he questioned why that was different to someone from the UK who for example lives in London deciding to come over after spending significantly longer periods of time in what is a category 4 region that was debated quite vigorously in in court this week Dr Brink questioned a lot of his points regarding public health evidence she pointed out that uh, he could not actually evidence the fact that he was low or the suggestion that he was low risk partly because he'd been through four international travel hubs which would have brought him into contact with travellers from not just those regions but from neighbouring regions who were using those same airports for onward travel or from nearby countries or jurisdictions. She said the risk profile essentially was unknown because of that. She did not have evidence of the measures, every single measure that was in place on every plane he boarded, in every departure lounge he was in, in every travel hub or you know public transport that he used in order to take that that long journey from from New Zealand which of course is not direct to Guernsey the cross-examination I think was probably quite revealing because the the tone and the um, the the way that he presented his arguments in his closing statement were a lot more polished than they were during cross-examination that be my observation. His suggestion that he'd been detained against his will and that his liberty had been deprived was was countered by Dr. Nicola Brink and her advocate, um, advocate Penny Grange, on the basis that he'd actually made a choice, and then he'd doubled down on the on the hope that his variation would be approved, and then you know advanced public health reasons for which he he did not believe that isolation requirements were necessary in his case. Um, um, His main argument was that the decision to require him to self-isolate was against human rights and the Bailiwick Guernsey human rights law uh, which dates back to 2000. And there's an article in that which says that the, the deprivation of liberty can be imposed in order to avoid the transmission or to kind of mitigate against the transmission of infectious diseases. His argument was simply that he did not pose that risk. Therefore, that article of the human rights law was being unlawfully applied. That has been dismissed. The argument that was advanced was that having the provision of a variation in certain compassionate circumstances is in fact adhering to the need to, you know, to meet that requirement in human rights law. And that has been considered, that was considered in the construction of the law and its application in other circumstances, ones where Dr. Brink as the Statutory officer for Health has deemed it to be kind of proportionate and, and, and warranted. Um, that shows that that is there and that um, the, in that sense the, the regulations are lawful in, relating, in relation to human rights.
1: And he was aware of all these legal ramifications and the the rules that he should have been following. Was he aware of it and he was just arguing against everything that I guess we've been adhering to?
0: I think there's a combination of both. And I think the the, the point of view that was presented in court was that he did not know at the time that he booked his travel that he would have to self-isolate for 14 days. He had misunderstood um, some press releases from the States and then latterly... Um, obviously looked into it in more detail. He had quite a um, well-advanced view on the regulations themselves. And it's hard to know whether he kind of developed that after the fact as, as part of his legal challenge or if um, those views he already held, which were then kind of exacerbated by a mistake. By way of, first of all, kind of a direct appeal to her to consider a variation and then subsequently, when that was refused, a legal challenge. It's. I think it's significant that a challenge like this has come from someone in a similar field to, to Dr Brink, someone who, who knows that role, and they had reached this stage. Uh, the, the, the full court hearing, I think, especially when the, the, the full judgment is published, will be quite revealing as to what weight has been given to certain aspects, what's been accepted by the judge and what hasn't. I guess to give more of an idea into some of the nuances that we don't know yet from Judge Catherine Fuchs simply saying that the case is dismissed. There's an interesting comment in the States last week, actually, which can be reapplied here, that two people with knowledge of a situation can have a different opinion on the same facts. And that doesn't make either opinion invalid, but it shows that there is a range of opinions and that evidence or, you know, lack of evidence unknowns imponderables of which there are many with regards to this pandemic still can therefore be interpreted in different ways by people with a professional knowledge of that area so there is um, you know there's a validity to this challenge but clearly it has been dismissed and the dismissal is important in, in the respect that it gives that certainty that the laws were reasonably lawfully and you know, with good reason, applied by our medical officer for health, Dr Nicola Brink, in this case. And I guess that breeds a further confidence that it's applied reasonably and logically in every other application for a variation. If the case had been upheld and he'd have won the, the legal challenge, it's impossible to ignore the ramifications that that would have
1: and um, I want to talk about you because of course Dr Brink has been brought into this and she, she's had to spend time in court i mean there must be is there has there been a certain bias because it hasn't been well received by the public you can tell on social media that people are thinking it's a bit of a waste of time is is that really the case
0: um well, i think the the royal court judge especially during the course of these kind of hearings they do operate in a, in a bubble kind of outside of kind of public commentary and it's you know a real plank of, of their role is to be thick skinned to be immune to kind of coercion I, I very much doubt she even spends time looking at any uh as a kind of so and no, i recently spoke to a defense advocate who i won't name because he said it just kind of to me personally but he said that he doesn't read any of the comments on any of the stories about clients on which he's represented um, it's as a,
1: a very sensible thing to
0: do. <laughs> so I, I wish I could do the same, um, but you have to. Yeah, but th- the point is, obviously, there is there is a fine line as we're understanding more and more between social media influence and decision making. But I think in this legal context, I don't think that's really kind of punctuated that in a case like this. What I do think is is important is that people express their opinions but also that he is permitted to express his. And there was a case for him to to bring based on his interpretation of the situation. He went through all of the correct procedures before going to court and that he did apply for a variation. When he got here, having been instructed to self-isolate, he did self-isolate. And then whilst in self-isolation, he appealed directly outside of the public realm to Dr Brink in her statutory role. He has um, you know, pursued all all of the avenues and then the legal challenges, I guess in his mind, as a last resort. He's
1: pursuing it beyond his isolation as well.
0: Yeah, and he, he says it, that he's been motivated to, to do it partly out of public interest and then other people he knows who are in this context and I think perhaps also more generally a little discontent with some of the isolation requirements for people who are not presenting to be unwell you know that's a sentiment that we know exists and I think he's probably harnessed some of that beyond just his individual circumstances and and used that to kind of fuel his legal challenge which of course was never actually going to affect him in a direct sense because as we recall this on on Thursday the 22nd of July he's in day 13 of his isolation you know there was You know, a very firm indication from some of his comments that he would have taken decisions very differently if he was currently the director of public health, which is, um, it's almost a kind of it's a completely hypothetical situation because he isn't. But one thing I would say about the challenge itself is I think it's been good and I don't think the timing of it has been good, but arguably there would never be a good time for something like this in a pandemic for the director of public health. What I think is important, and I think it's not a view that many will perhaps share, especially on social media, particularly Facebook, is that, first of all, throughout the pandemic, Dr. Brink has based all of her decisions on evidence, and she's stressed in all of the press briefings and all the statements that she's made, that she is evidence-led, that she looks at data, identifies trends, you know, models, or her team, sorry, models, waves and different circumstances what happens if you unlock borders or restrictions at a certain rate what happens if you don't what's the best and worst case scenarios all of that and it's a very scientific approach so having what is almost a kind of peer review per reasons for imposing self-isolation requirements had to be tested and scrutinized in the royal court and upheld and upheld and that's the crucial point because no one who has anything to hide should be afraid of scrutiny and we've seen that in the states recently that there's been a disturbing trend between uh, about freedom of information about access and it always even if it's not born out of wanting to hide something it creates the possibility for that to happen unchallenged and it also can ferments doubt as to you know why someone doesn't want that challenge Um, I think she's embraced the challenge that has come. Um, She has withstood a lot of the criticism, and at times actually quite personal criticism from Dr. Bridgman, which maybe overstepped the mark, and I I won't repeat all of it. Her approach has always been empirical, and there's been a real forensic and empirical examination of her decision-making over the last two or three days, and it stood up to the test. So what people should get from this, even if they feel it's a waste of time, even if they're saying that he should pay the court fees, even if they're saying that um, you know, this was an unnecessary disruption, what they should take from it, which is a positive, is that this is the first real scrutiny of our public health directors' decision-making in a completely objective legal setting. I mean, this does provide a formal legal demonstration, and ultimately it should be seen as, you know, as proof that the system is working.
1: And that the I suppose because Dr. Brink has been where our, the CCA has been taking its decision decisions from, the decisions are right.
0: Oh, at least the, the decisions are founded and reasonable. You know, as as I stated earlier, there's always going to be you know different interpretations of the same situation on the same facts. And if you look at, it, you just have to look at some of the the messaging boards that go around the the state's briefings. You know, people. You're either at, you're pro or you're con, and, and I think, you're in your camp, yeah, and I think we've we've lost that element of meaningful challenge during the pandemic in a way because there are people behind the scenes who, believe it or not, given that they're civil servants, they know what they're doing. They they are considering strategic matters. They're coming up with a policy that is designed to try and improve the lives for the maximum number of islanders possible in unprecedented circumstances and within resources that compared to larger nations are quite small. And so if we
1: come back down from all that to finish off with the case itself, what happens next is there action to happen next because didn't he 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 threatened that if he failed with this, he would continue on a path anyway.
0: I mean I wonder what his what is to be gained by trying to Extend the duration of his current appeal. I mean, the the CCA was listed as a respondent alongside Dr. Brink, and his arguments around the proportionality of the CCA's regulations themselves were incorporated, and the the, the spirit of that was definitely embodied in his arguments. It was it's not impossible. I don't think it was possible to decouple his criticism of Dr. Brink from his um, criticism of the wider regulations and the the imposition of self-isolation requirements both of those arguments were advanced during the course of the hearing again we haven't seen the full notes the the judge's full notes when are those set so, to be published um i think there will be a extemporary a interim judgment which will have a little bit more detail in the coming days and then on a later date there will be a full write-up of um of proceedings from the Royal Court Judge Catherine Fuchs, who was the only one presiding over this case. I think in terms of what it means for the CCA is um, back to business as usual. Uh, for Dr. Bridgman, there's been no... Back to New Zealand? Back to, it will be back to New Zealand, and th- I think they will, on their current border sp- border policy, they will be requiring for him to self-isolate for 14 days in New Zealand. Um, there's been no indication from him of any further challenge. And I do think that, as mentioned, his criticism of the regulations and their application, in his case, were both advanced during this hearing. So I don't think that they can be advanced any further in this setting. Uh, Hypothetically, you could go to the Court of Appeal.
1: This is a great moment for uh, Dr Brink, really, because what I take from this is I I can't imagine what situation we would be in now if it had been Dr Stephen Bridgman here instead. Would it be completely different?
0: I mean, that's hard to say because um, we're looking at it from a certain point in the pandemic. Um, You know, we are in the the harder part, which is the exiting lockdown stage, which is much longer, much more protracted, much more open to interpretation. It's been reiterated throughout that going into lockdown is easy. The rate at which you ease restrictions, there are a range of views in the community, about the, the rate at which restrictions are lifted, about what should come first, where the balance lies, what the strategy should be, should be for the island, and how you manage those difficult exceptions, the individual applications, how you manage the subject of liberty and freedom, because one person's liberty could endanger the liberty of others if a risk is allowed to go uncontrolled. And there's a line that stood out to me and it wasn't actually from Dr. Bridgman and it wasn't from Dr. Brink. It was from the aforementioned Mark Degari who said that in the circumstances that that we are in we cannot afford to lose sight of strategic objectives. We cannot obsess, or the state's public health cannot obsess in every single individual application in every exemption that's put forward the resources have to go into a system that enables the freedom of most people wherever possible whilst also allowing for variations to be foremost and there needs to be a strategy it can't be scattergun it can't be one application to the next otherwise the whole system would break down They would be riddled in indecision. The CCA would not be able to function or respond to situations, to policy planning. And the modelling that has underlied everything over the last 18 months of managing risk, of weighing up what happens if you pull certain levers, what happens if you lock down, what happens if you don't, all of that would be would be lost because you'd be focusing solely on the minutiae of individual risk assessments, individual statements and weighing up circumstances. So the, I think perhaps the, the summing up line, which was presented quite, quite persuasively in the hearing, was that every risk that you take for one person, or every risk that public health takes for one person, is a risk that public health takes for, for the whole island. And on behalf, as the custodian, of the public health of the bailiwick that's a significant responsibility and to know that those decisions or to have another piece of proof that those decisions are being made um with with good reason behind them should be seen as a reassuring factor
1: Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luno. If you enjoyed it, I know it's a pain, but please like and share. It all helps, and remember, you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email, and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matthew Leach, and all the Bailiwick Express team next Friday.